You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts. What did it take to survive an ancient siege? Why was the cult of Dionysus behind so many slave revolts in ancient Rome? What's the tragic history and mythology behind Japan's most haunted ancient forest? We're Jen. And Jenny. From Ancient History Fangirl. Join us to explore ancient history and mythology from a fun, sometimes tipsy perspective. Find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts. In Mexican and Texano folklore, chilling stories have long been told of a creature known as La Lechuza. As the legend goes, La Lechuza appears in the form of a massive owl standing seven feet tall with a wingspan of 15 feet and the face of an old woman. Of course, there are several variations on the legend of the witch owl. In some tellings, La Lechuza mimics the cries of children to lure unsuspecting victims out of their homes and devour them. In other versions, hearing the cry of La Lechuza is an omen of death. The creature is said to bring storms and to feed on negative human emotions, often appearing outside homes where there is a domestic dispute, waiting for its victim to emerge. In some tellings, La Lechusa preys on drunk men stumbling their way home from the bar. In others, she craves the blood and flesh of newborns, particularly those who are not yet baptized. Some say La Lechusa is a witch who has sold her soul to the devil, others that she was once a woman who was wronged by the members of her village. In certain regions, legend says the woman's child was killed by a drunk, others that the woman herself was killed, leaving her to stalk the skies at night, waiting to enact her wicked vengeance. Do not whistle three times at midnight, children are told, for it serves as an invitation for La Lechusa, and will most certainly end in death. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Kleena Fraga. And I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Austin Harvey. Today, we'll be digging into the fascinating legend of La Lechusa. But before we get into the episode, just a quick reminder that for the next two months, we'll be conducting a survey as part of the Airwave Network to help us to get to know you, your interests, and what you think of the show. You can find the questionnaire at surveymonkey.com r airwave. And as a special thank you, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $500 Amazon gift card. Again, that's surveymonkey.com r airwave. Or you can click the link in our episode notes. Once nothing more than a mortal woman, Lala Chusa ultimately became a vengeful, vile creature bent on terrorizing those who have wronged her. And though the legend of Lala Chusa sounds like something out of a book of scary stories or folk tales, there are several real-life accounts of those who claim to have had an encounter with Lala Chusa, some more recent than you might imagine. 
One encounter took place in the 1950s in the border town of Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. Rumors swirled that a lechuza had been terrorizing the town. The townsfolk traced the lechuza to a home nearby and made a plan to lure her out and kill her. One man even offered to use his own child as bait. When the lechuza appeared and attempted to grab the child, the townsfolk opened fire, a few bullets striking the lechuza's claw before it flew off. The next day, the concerned townspeople visited the house of the alleged witch, and when she answered the door, her leg was bandaged and she needed a crutch to walk. The tale of La Lechuza is widespread across parts of northern Mexico and Texas, but like any folk legend, the details vary. Some say La Lechuza is a single bruja, or witch, who appears human in the day and transforms into a large owl with the face of a woman. At night, feathers sprout from her skin, her feet turn into large, grotesque talons, and her arms stretch to a length of 15 feet her hands giving way to massive wings that allow her to soar through the air at terrifying speeds. She finds a perch outside of bars, waiting for lone, drunk men to step out into the cool night air, unaware of the terror that awaits them. In an instant, La Lechusa pounces on her victim, digging her talons into his flesh and lifting him high into the air, carrying him back to her lair. The last thing the man ever sees in a drunken haze is the blood-covered and eerily human face of La Lechusa as she rips the flesh from his body, piece by piece. In some tellings of the legend, however, La Lechusa is not a witch at all, but rather a witch's familiar sent to do her bidding. Some even claim La Lechusa is a minion of Satan himself. In all versions of the story, though, La Lechusa is said to take humans as her prey. There are those who say she steals away children who wander from their homes after dark so she can feast on their flesh and bones. Others say she kidnaps children out of a sorrowful sense of longing, hoping to replace the child she once had. A child who had been killed by the villagers in her town. But La Lechusa does not just feed on the flesh of her victims. She feeds on their emotions. She seeks out those in distress or waits outside the homes of quarreling couples acting as a psychic vampire. When she's had her fill, she mimics a baby's cry, hoping to lure her unsuspecting prey out of their home to steal them away. Those who remain indoors often say they awoke in the morning to find scratch marks on their doors and windowsills, a sign that La Lechusa had visited and will likely return. However, there are ways to protect yourself from La Lechusa. Some say that hanging a rope with seven knots outside your home is a sign to La Lechusa that you have acknowledged her presence and respect her. If she sees this, she'll leave you alone. Meanwhile, others have taken to lining their doors and windows with salt at night to dispel La Lechusa. And if you're out walking at night and see La Lechusa flying towards you, you can repel her by throwing a combination of salt and chili powder in her face. Or if you don't happen to have those on hand... You can recite the Catholic prayer, La Magnifica, taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, in which the Virgin Mary praises the power of God. An important note, however, the prayer must be recited forwards and backwards. In all, the legend of La Lechusa has been told countless times and in countless ways. But where did this terrifying story originate, and why has it remained such an enduring one for hundreds of years? Like 
Like many legends, the exact origins of Lala Chusa can be difficult to pin down, but this creepy story appears to be several hundred years old and likely emerged during the time of the Spanish conquest of the Americas. Before then, civilizations in Mesoamerica had a complicated relationship with owls, though they had a spiritual connection with numerous animals and often saw them as spiritual allies or deities, owls sometimes played a slightly darker role in their mythology. In Mexico, for example, ancient people associated owls with the god of rain and saw them as a bad omen. In Peru, owls were sometimes seen as minions of the underworld. But then the Spanish arrived starting at the end of the 15th century, and the reputation of the owl plummeted even further. That's because the Catholic Spanish saw any sort of spiritual connection with animals as paganism. This devilry, they decided, must be stamped out. The Spanish spread the word that animals like owls were associated with dark forces, and since Spanish Catholics especially feared witches, owls and other animals like cats were increasingly associated with witchcraft. That's why, in many legends of La Lechuza, the creature is described either as a woman who transforms into an owl or as a witch who uses owls to carry out her evil deeds. From these murky origins, the legend of La Lechuza started to take form. Many versions of the legend describe how a local woman was put on trial for being a witch, found guilty of practicing dark magic, and sentenced to death. Instead of staying dead, however, she returned as a giant owl who could mimic crying babies and frightened women in order to lure in her victims. And as the centuries passed, the legend of Lala Chusa evolved and modernized. One version states that Lala Chusa came into being after her own child was executed for a crime they didn't commit. Mad with grief, the owl woman then began snatching other children instead. Another version of the legend suggests that Lala Chusa had a child who was killed by a drunk driver. Furious, she cursed the entire bar district of her town and spent her nights turning into an owl looking for drunks to attack and kill. In any version, this legend is certainly a disturbing one, but Lala Chusa isn't the only myth that describes women being turned into owls. There's something about an owl's intense, steady gaze that has horrified and fascinated humans for centuries. We'll get into some of those similar legends, as well as humankind's seemingly endless fascination with owls, next. Being part of the royal family might seem enticing, but more often than not, it comes at the expense of, well, everything else, like your freedom, your privacy, and sometimes even your head. Wondery's new podcast, Even the Royals, pulls back the curtain on royal families, past and present from all over the world, to show you the darker side of what it means to be royalty. Icons like Grace Kelly, Oscar-winning actress turned Princess of Monaco, who the world saw as the ultimate good girl. She mastered playing a happy wife and mother, but beneath it all, she was desperately lonely. Grace spent her whole life working towards perfection, and it ultimately cost her her happiness. Or King Ludwig II from Bavaria. He was only 18 when his father died, leaving the crown to him and a duty to rule that he never wanted. He refused to lead and used funds from the royal treasury to further his extreme love of opera. But this choice eventually cost him the crown and his life. Follow Even the Royals on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge Even the Royals ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. I am like a folklore fanatic. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Not the Taylor Swift album, though I do like that as well. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a good album. Yeah. But, um, no, I have like maybe 10 or 12 books about folklore like on my bookshelf right now. Wow. Is La Lechuza in those books or is this a new story for you? Surprisingly, no, it wasn't. It was new for me, mm. um, which was kind of cool. Kind of makes sense that it's not in any of these books. I think because it's so prominent, but in just such a select region. Mm-hmm. That it's not as big as like, I think everyone, not everyone, but people who are interested in this kind of stuff in like history and things might have heard of like the Banshee. Uh, It's pretty well known. Stuff is named after Banshees. The Wendigos had like sort of a renaissance in the past couple years. So like a lot of those bigger name ones. And then La Lechuza seems much more like even in today's world passed along orally Mm -hmm. and in families and in specific small communities Even the stories we found online were all like personal accounts of like, oh, my grandmother told me this or in my small town, there was this thing. And it's like a generational kind of thing versus some of these more like culturally widely ingrained folk stories. Yeah, that's what I liked about it, too, is it was so like personal for so many people even still were there in your folklore books that you have were there other like owl legends or did that also seem like more of a unique thing there are mostly i've noticed it in native american folklore Mm -hmm. and it was very similar to the story of la lechuza which was sort of where i wanted to go with it yeah there i don't know if they have a specific name I know that a lot of Native American folklore, I don't want to like lump all Native American tribes in together, but I can't off the top of my head remember which tribes specifically this lore comes from. But I will say like I've read stories of people and things that have been passed down that like some Native American tribes viewed owls as bad omens, very similar Mm to La Lechuza. There are a lot of stories of like kind of similar like owl women. Um, They were harbingers of doom. They were signs of death. A lot of like very similar sorts of negative connotations, which I always thought was really interesting because as a kid who grew up in the early 2000s and saw Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. you kind of think owls are like good Good. companions and like at least people on this half of the ocean seem to not have seen it that way. That's a really interesting point. When I was researching this subject, I was thinking about in New York, one of the big stories in the last couple of months was this owl that was Someone broke into his enclosure in the zoo when he got out. He's just like living in Central Park. And people are obsessed with him. His name is Flacco. Nice. And there was an article in the New York Times about like, why do people like like owls so much? And kind of went through all these, like Harry Potter, but also like uh, King Arthur. There were owls in that legend as well. Yeah. who were good and shared knowledge and everything. And it's really interesting that this is more of a negative owl uh, story. Because there are a lot of like really like positive ones about owls. People love owls. Yeah, I think I'm going to like look it up real quick um here we go many tribes across the country not only believe that owls have a correlation to death and but also the afterlife um here's some tribes specifically the lakota the omaha the cheyenne fox ojibwa not going to try and pronounce that one sorry uh cherokee um these tribes all think that the owls were embodied with the spirit of the dead or associated with spirits in some way um a lot of them symbols of death i think it's because primarily owls are predatory and nocturnal yeah and they do have like a blood curling scream sometimes yeah yeah right and the in the research i did about like native americans yeah the yakima the choctaw is all like a lot of like witches a lot of owls that can change into people 
And usually, usually bad news when they show up on the scene. Yeah, a lot of like magical sort of interpretations of owls, even similar to the to one version of La Lechuza where some people thought that owls were familiars for witches or for sorcerers. Mm, right. Whereas like, yeah, I think uh, like the kind of more common perspective on owls now is like associations with wisdom. Mm -hmm. Even like, don't know how much this is going to hit for some people, but the Legend of Zelda, the Ocarina of Time. One of the first things that happens is you encounter an owl who is like your guide on that journey. So, oh. I mean, obviously that's a Japanese game. So I'm curious about the Eastern perspective on owls versus like the more historical Western perspective as well. Yeah, there was this article we did a couple of, I think it was almost like a year ago about these in Spain, there's like hundreds and hundreds of owl carvings they found and they didn't know what the deal was with them. And then this one researcher thought maybe they were like toys that kids had made and like, why would they have chosen owls? And it's like, well, you just, owls are just different looking and they kind of catch your eye and they would have been around these like Copper Age settlements because there's rats to eat and like, you know, there's food supplies. Yeah. Um, so the kids would have like known what an owl is. And part of the project, he just asked kids of what he thought would be the similar age as these Copper Age kids to draw an owl. And the two like illustrations were really similar they they catch out there they um pick up on the owls like big eyes and the tufts in their ears and everything it's just the yeah. kind of animal where like if you're like an owl people know exactly what it is and how to draw it and everything they draw us right. in they're far more distinct than like a lot of other birds like I mean anyone can say a pigeon and know what a pigeon looks like cardinal blue jay some of those but like I don't think I could draw right. I can maybe draw a pigeon because they're kind of boring <laughs> just like a bird <laughs> gray bird yeah, yeah. but yeah. like I don't know if I could draw two pictures one of a cardinal one of a blue jay that look distinct from one another other than the color yeah and owls are different because they're just different looking right in that new york times article about flacco they someone they interviewed was like well people are drawn to owls because they like have these like um attributes almost like human infants like they have round faces and round eyes and if you think about why humans are drawn to certain animals like pandas there's like a similarity there so maybe that's why we're so into owls yeah, yeah. and owls can also be fairly large like in certain regions. I mean, barn owls are relatively small, but there are owls that I think get pretty big. And yeah. so I'd imagine like, you know, especially in the native inhabitants of what is now North and South America, we're much more like attuned to nature than mm -hmm. European counterparts. But so much of their religion and their spiritual beliefs revolved around nature and like our relationship to nature. And mm -hmm. so seeing this thing at night in the trees that looks a little eerily human. Right. Like, it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, you could see why they'd have that connection between, oh, this thing might be able to shapeshift or be a human during the day or something. Yeah, they do have that human right. look about them. Yeah. Yeah, especially like a, like a barn owl, which has a very pale feather on its front. You know, it's very white. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely kind of stands out the same way that like human like a pale human would <laughs> yeah, sitting in the trees. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's I mean, they're fascinating. I remember like one summer I was um, at home in Seattle and there was an owl and my siblings and I just like sat outside and watched it for literally like 12 hours straight. We just sat and like watched him in the trees every now and then he would fly down and like catch something in the ground and then go back. I don't know why he was hunting during the day. That seemed kind of odd, but oh, yeah. it was fascinating. It was like we couldn't take our eyes off of him. Yeah, yeah, I th I go to the aviary i used to at least go to the aviary fairly often here and would look at the owls they have these like tiny little ones that are like the size of your hand and they just poke their heads out 
spin all the way. Plus, yeah, they can spin their heads all the way around. Like owls are weird. Oh yeah, birds. right. <laughs> Demonic. Really yeah, weird. that's true. Yeah. I wanted to bring up another story too about like why owls might be seen as like these terrifying creatures, um, which is another article we have on the site. But it's about like an alien encounter from 1955. And it's considered like one of the most famous ones because it's a group of people who all describe seeing the same thing, which is basically that they were at home and aliens attacked them and they like they chased them off with guns and then ran into town and called the police. And one explanation for what could have happened was that maybe an owl, maybe they were drunk and maybe an owl was swooping down on them at night. And that that seemed like an alien because it had the shiny eyes. And yeah. Is that the Kelly know. Hopkinsville? That's Kelly Hopkinsville, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I actually, <laughs> I, I don't remember where I saw it. Probably on Reddit. Might have been in the oddly terrifying subreddit. Mm. A picture of newborn barn owls in someone's attic. Uh-huh. They Before they had their feathers. Oh. They look like otherworldly. It's very mm. freaky. God, I can't even imagine that. That would be, I just see like chickens, I guess. <laughs> see if I can find it. I'll send it over to you. Oh, God. Yeah, I came up right away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> look at these things oh my god those like, do look like really, aliens <laughs> they're really scary they're looking. standing they're like, up they have legs yeah. and arms and everything yeah oh. yeah like if you put a grainy eyes. black and white filter over that you could convince me it was aliens well especially the the eyes are such like what alien eyes are supposed to look like the big black like, mm-hmm. orbs in someone's face that's really creepy yeah when they're not covered by feathers you really notice how kind of almond shaped and large their eyes really are right i think the yeah. feathers kind of help hide some of that and give them almost like eyebrows but mm-hmm. like when they're just like nude <laughs> right really freaky looking <laughs> yeah i can kind of see how the people at kelly hopkinsville might have um mistaken that if something like that came out of the trees for an alien totally what year was that too do you know off the top of your head or like 1955. Okay, it's 1950s. That's like height of mm. UFO paranoia too, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's an interesting story too because I think they were one of the first to describe aliens. I think they described them as little silver men and then the newspaper changed it to like green men and that sort of spread from there. Yeah, I, I think the little green men thing's kind of dying off. I every, th- every time I've heard of it, now they're gray men. Oh, really? Yeah, that's like the, uh, even calling them grays is like the new UFO hmm. thing. Oh, oh, I did not know that. Not up to speed with the latest uh, UFO <laughs> news, I guess. <laughs> I have a Google News alert set for really? UFOs. Yeah. Oh, damn. Ever since the Pentagon files. Have you ever seen one before? No, I. it's a mix of like I really want to and then at the same time I don't at all. Yeah. It feels like it could be like a life ruining moment. Life changing. Life changing for sure. I don't know. Some people like I recently watched this documentary called Aerial Phenomenon, Mm -hmm. which is all about uh, the aerial school UFO incident. A bunch of kids in Zimbabwe. Oh, yeah. Did you write an article about that? I did. Yeah. I I pitched it to John and he was like, sure. Cool. Yeah. 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 I think I edited your article. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, So you kind of know the story then. But Mm -hmm. the one girl, her life was like ruined. Her family was super religious. They wouldn't let her like talk about it. They moved to Canada. She like struggled to make friends and sustain romantic relationships because she would always inevitably be like, by the way, hmm, I saw an alien when I was once. A kid, I saw aliens and they yeah. were like, yeah, no, I'm not touching that. It's like, oh, all right. Wow. Yeah. I feel like with the internet now, you maybe you, if you were to like be that person, you could find other believers in the world more easily. Yeah. I run the risk of isolating myself from all my family and friends, but <laughs> you have new internet friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. 
Yeah. I wonder how um, how prevalent this like legend is today or if it's sort of like faded. Yeah. It seems like most modern tellings of the Lalachusa legend are retrospectives or people sharing their culture and saying like, oh, my grandma believed in this. My mother believed in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Mexico and there were stories about this. I mean, we looking at the show notes here, we have that one Reddit account of someone who says they were almost kidnapped yeah. by Lechuza when they were a kid and that their family dog scared it away. Yeah. And then there's like a couple of those people have said sightings or yeah, it's not always, it seems like sometimes it's just like a big bird, not necessarily an owl, but yeah, usually an owl of some kind. And it'll be like a grandmother who's like, by the way, this is this yeah. <laughs> witch thing. So watch out. Yeah. It almost feels like, one of those, um, you kind of see it a lot in movies, I think, more, but like that like endearing old person believes in it <laughs> kind right. of thing. It's like, I don't necessarily believe it, but my grandma does. And she grew up, you know, more uh, deeply embedded in like this culture than I did because my family moved from Mexico to America or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, in the movie, the, the old endearing grandmother is always right. And like yeah. the non-believers <laughs> encounter the <laughs> creature somehow. That's also true. That's like that happens in off the top of my head, the Krampus movie. Oh, there's a Krampus movie? Oh, yeah. It's from the guy <laughs> who made Trick or Treat. It's actually really good. Oh, wow. That's funny. I know that. The Box of Oddities is a Webby award-winning podcast that explores a world that's strange, bizarre, and sometimes hilarious. Married couple Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth bring their irreverent brand of humor and unique chemistry to unusual topics that range from medical oddities to abandoned funeral homes to unexplained paranormal phenomena. With nearly 30 million downloads since its launch in 2018, The Box of Oddities has become a rapidly growing community of people who share an interest in the stranger side of life. In each episode, Kat and Jethro bring an independently picked true topic to surprise each other with. Often bizarre, shocking, or just plain weird, these topics are certainly always interesting. As late-night host Jimmy Kimmel said, should you be the type who has interest in weird stuff, this is a fun thing to allow in your head. Go listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you get your podcasts. I think any folklore surrounding, like, real animals is really interesting i always i like the stories of things like kelpies the banshee um Mm. chupacabra stuff like that that is more like cryptid monster kind of verging on mythology stuff because it's i think it's interesting but i always am really interested in the way that like ancient people viewed more common animals like owls deer Mm -hmm. mice bears you know, why why were some animals treated with such reverence like bears mm-hmm. um, versus like feared like owls? and Right. I think it's interesting that like, you know, one of the, tr- the tribes that had this sort of owl witch legend was the Yakima who are in like Washington State sort of, I think, Oregon area today. And that's so far away from where this legend originated. And yet they had a very similar story about owls, which I wonder if that was because there was some sort of it seems like trading would be impossible being that far away, but right. maybe maybe there was. I don't know if that story spread somehow or if they just kind of came to it on their own because it's true, perhaps. I don't know. But Right. Yeah. yeah. Or even just a similar sort of mindset because regionally, like much of the United States was like covered in forest and stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. 
There would have been tons of owls. Yeah, they're not really Texas as much, but there are owls kind of everywhere. Yeah. Over here. So. so, yeah, I think maybe that's sort of like that same fear of the dark. Mm. This thing hunts at night. I don't know, like, what what are other nocturnal predators? Coyotes? Yeah. They're nocturnal mostly. I like. Yeah. I don't think they really revered coyotes as much. Um, I don't know why I enunciated it like that. <laughs> 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 But I think yeah. you see that a lot with like those more nocturnal creatures is that kind of fear and apprehension and kind of plays into like an innate human component, um, like shared consciousness thing. Yeah, for sure. Fear of the dark. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. Yeah. All these creatures that are their their eyes like shining in the darkness and everything would be really yeah. frightening. I mean, even now. Whereas- yeah. Whereas, like, you look at equally dangerous, uh, arguably more dangerous predator uh, eagles, mm-hmm. and but they they're not nocturnal, and so yeah. they were viewed more like in reverence. Um, right. Well, and owls do attack people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, where I grew up, like sometimes in the in the woods and stuff, there'd be signs being like, "Watch out! It's like an owl hanging out here, and he will dive bomb you." So. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure too, like they lived in significantly less sturdy homes than contemporary ones, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a young child, it's not outrageous to think like if you leave that child unattended, an owl could come down and be like, cool, that's dinner for me. Right. Yeah. 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 So I'm sure like that kind of stuff played into it as well, or it's like, Oh, we got to like keep them away. Otherwise these birds, are whereas like you're maybe a little bit less likely to be taken by surprise. If an Eagle tries to swoop down and take your kid could happen, it could happen, but you're probably going to see it. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> Cause like I was, I was wondering how like, how big of prey owls can pick up because they I think they mostly eat like mice and I know yeah eagles can eat like small dogs and cats if they want to yeah uh one of my favorite fun facts is that an eagle can carry a baby deer really yeah. wow huh I don't know if that's a fun fact but that is really <laughs> grisly a friend once asked me what makes a fact fun and I was like honestly I don't know <laughs> <laughs> well that'll stick with me a baby deer damn Well, we'll end by saying that, um, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, you can go to surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave and fill out a little questionnaire to help us make the show better, make it more interesting. And as a bonus, you'll be entered to win an Amazon gift card for 500 bucks. It's not bad. No, you could use that to buy some eagle merch. Yeah, not binoculars. Not eagles merch. Not eagle <laughs> merch, yeah. <laughs> you get buy, uh-huh. do the, you know those big rubber animal heads that people wear? I think they make owl ones. Oh, I don't know that I know about that. Play a prank on your friends. You know, like those big rubber horse heads and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen like bird versions. I'm sure they're out there. They definitely do chickens. Oh, God. I hate chickens. (laughs) It's... No. (laughs) They really freak me out. (laughs) (laughs) I used to have a pet chicken when I was a kid. Really? Yeah, but then raccoons ate it. Oh. That's sad. Yeah, it was a bummer. Yeah. I still like how like when you touch them... They seem like they have a lot of like heft and then you touch them and there's it's just like all feather and then you don't know where their uh, bodies are. So it's deceptive. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like the deception <laughs> of chickens. <laughs> I don't like it. And they're too like um unpredictable. That's fair. Anyway, so that's surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave. Yeah. And thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh yeah, stay tuned for our upcoming series on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. If you want to dive more into any of the stories we've covered 
uh, up till now, uh, or if you want more on La Lechusa or other folklore, head over to allthatsinteresting.com and follow us on Facebook, uh, the History Revealed Facebook page, and on Instagram and TikTok at Real History Uncovered. Great. So we'll talk to you next time. Oh, <laughs>